What's going on, everybody? And thank you so much for tuning in to episode six of Authors on a Podcast Talking Books. Today, we've got Josh Mallerman, author of Bird Box. You've probably read it. You've probably seen it on Netflix. Uh, but here, we've got the man behind the book. So uh, without further ado, Josh Mallerman. Hello. Hi, everybody. <laughs> How are you doing today, Josh? Excellent. I'm actually a couple days away from... Um, completely wrapping like the final, final draft of Mallory. So two days ago, or let's say hmm, like five days ago or so, I, I turned in to my editor the um, uh, like a heavy, giant rewrite of Mallory, which is the a follow-up book to Bird Box, and and uh, I got some like light sort of like final notes that I could probably finish in one day if I wanted, but I'm gonna give myself two days, and that's it. So. I'm sort of having that feeling right now that you that you have like when you have to go to the bathroom and the closer you get to the bathroom, the more you have to go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sort of there right now where I'm like, oh, my God, oh, my God, I'm almost, I'm almost there. You know? But I'm also like, this is really freaking exciting because at when Mallory's done, well, man, you write whatever you want next. But I mean, that's that's the case with every book you write, if you think about it. Right. Yeah. But. You know, there comes a point when you work on a book for as long as you do, months or a year, whatever it is, where you're like, oh, man, now I get to start a new one. So I'm, I'm nearing that moment. That's fantastic. And I know, I mean, obviously you've written, you know, a few novels uh, between Bird Box and Mallory. Uh, so, I mean, you, I mean, were, did you set out to write a sequel or was it just something that was sitting in the back of your mind? Did the movie kind of boost you to write a sequel? How did that come about? So uh, kind of a combination because there was a thread. The original draft of Bird Box is really, really something else. Um, it's about twice as long as what was published. It's uh, It was written in a sort of an experimental way where the entire novel was written in italics, right? And the reason why was that I had written a sort of a dream sequence in the book that I wrote before it, um, which was called Goblin. Mm -hmm. I wrote... Um, a dream sequence in there that was all italics, but it went on for kind of a long time. And I was like, huh, there'd be interesting if an entire novel had this dreamish nightmarish feel to it. Right. Yeah. So bird box was from the word go was written entirely in italics. There was no, there were no chapter breaks. There were no quotation marks. You didn't know if a character was talking or thinking it. There were 14 housemates, not seven. The book was twice as long. There was, the book wasn't even indented. It, you know what it, it sounds to me like Bird Box, the rough draft, was similar to Kerouac's rough draft of On the Road. And I'm not saying that in a bloated sense of self way. First of all, I, that's, that, that's weird for me to say, too, because I feel like I'm as good as Kerouac. I feel like you are, too. My mom is, too. Everyone is. But, 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 I, do th but I do think by hearing how On the Road was sort of written in this, on the scroll, right, that whole story, Bird Box was similar to that. So in that giant experimental crazy novel was a thread that I eventually had to get rid of because there just wasn't room for it. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to say what that thread is, but <laughs> I said to myself, you know, later on, like, man, that would be, it'd be fun to use that still or whatever. And so I had sort of fantasized about doing like a second book that took place in the bird box world, but I never, I never thought for a second it would have to do with Mallory or the kids. But then the movie happened, and and I and Allison and I we go out to Los Angeles. We we get, we're in the like um, Netflix like screening room. The screening room was called the Upside Down. We were in that room, and 
you know, just us and a few people, we watched Bird Box for the first time. Oh, my God, right? We, and it was so interesting to watch it in that setting. Um, and then when the movie ended, I said to myself, I'm like, wait, what, what happens to Mallory now? <laughs> and so I was like, oh, wait a minute. That other thread I have that I've kind of considered as maybe some other story in that world. I was like, maybe, okay, maybe I'll write that about Mallory. But here's where things get a little complicated. And now just bear with me for one second. Yeah. Is that, so I wrote that book. I wrote that thread and I did it and all this. And then, but while writing, I had like some other ideas and Allison had suggestions that were awesome. Allison's my fiance. Yeah. And in all these, whatever, it just started what, by the time I, I finished that book, I rewrote it, I think four times. My editor sent me um, a line edit. Do you know what you know what the you know what the line edit is? Where it's like literally red ink on every single page. You know that's like when you get down to like the nitty gritty. You're you're not talking about adding a sister. You're you're talking about like changing. You know, you mentioned this word too many times. Whatever. Like you're down to the nitty gritty, right? Yeah. yeah. And at that point, I was said to my editor, I'm like, you know what? I I'm sorry. Can I just start this book over again? I think I have a better idea. And which didn't include that thread almost at all. Hmm. And she was like, wait, really? And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, okay. And I was like, all right. And I did. I wrote it again from scratch, a whole new uh, story for Mallory and the kids. And I just knew the whole time. I'm like, this is it. This is it. I can't believe how close I was to putting out that other version, but this is it. And I rewrote it um, a few times. And two days ago, like I said, I turned in what is close to the last three rides. So, it's been it, it, to answer your question, sort of all those things at once. Yeah, yeah. And so is that is that what caused the I guess the delay in the publication was you wanting to basically rewrite it, or is that just yep. giving you time to, to to finish it up? No, just yeah, no. I, because if I would have um, done that line edit and everything, you know, then we would have um, probably made that original date, which I'm kind of glad we didn't because it just doesn't feel like it was time yet anyway, or something. Um, but yeah, because I was like, I'm going to start this thing over from scratch. And, and I, don't, I don't know how often I'm going to tell this story because I don't know. I don't want people to get the book and think to themselves, like, was this, was this some like second idea he had or something? It, I, I can't really explain it. It was like a, it was like a, an, from my angle, it was like a, it was an absolute revelation. Like, oh, this is what this is supposed to be. Let's, let's try this again. Hey, uh, coach, throw me the ball again. I'm going to get a hold of it this time. And I did. And so, and so I think that there was, you know, I guess that that would be what pushed the, the date back then. Yeah. I gotcha. Yeah. And I mean, you know, you always want to be happy with your final product. So the fact that, you know, you, you went back there and you're like, you know, I think I've got something better. Let's do that. And yeah. I mean, obviously your editor is like, okay, bring it to me, you know? Kind of thing. Yeah. Because like, think about it. That's a good editor, right? Because, yeah. and her name is Trisha, by the way, Trisha Nirwani. And she's like, like, cause she could, she could, she could have been like, wow, dude, we're at the finish line here. Or we need this book to come out at this time. Or, you know, I mean, you could anything, right? right. She could have been like, I, I just put in all these weeks of work on the line at it. Like, what do you mean you're starting over? You know, but she wasn't, she was like, you, you believe you got a better idea. And I'm like, yeah, she's like, all right, let's see it. And so here we are. Yeah. And, uh, so with it not being, I guess, a, I guess sold as a two book, part i mean did did you actually have like a firm deadline that you had to have it done for the publisher or did you just pitch them hey i've got this second book and they were like okay let's do it at this time and then you went with it exactly this the latter yeah okay. it was just 
Um, I had actually signed with them for another book um, to that would have been coming out now-ish or, you know, early next year or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, after the movie and everything, like I told you, um, I was like, you know what? I am going to write this other one. Uh, I have this awesome idea, all that. And then, um, so then I, we took, me and my agent told them like, hey, Josh has an idea for a second movie line. They were like, all right, let's do it. Or second book. And they were like, let's do it. And so that other book, I already did sign for that book. So that book would be coming out next after Mallory. I gotcha. Are you going to try to do two releases in the same year? Are you going to push the 21? I mean, that's my, like my ultimate like fantasy that that's sort of like the pace that I move at. Mm-hmm. But I also understand that sometimes it's good to like actually let things breathe a little. Absolutely. And I think that what I was doing for a while, and I hope to maintain this eventually again, um, was, you know, Bird Box came out on a big five house, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Echo, HarperCollins. And then A House of the Lake came out on a smaller press, um, This Is Horror. And then Black Mad Wheel was Collins. And then what would be next? And then, oh, I have them all in order in front of me, actually, on the shelf. Then Goblin was on Earthling, a smaller press. Then on Mary Carol on Penguin. And then on This Day of the Pig on Cemetery Dance. So, And then Inspection on Penguin again. again. So there has been this alternating thing for a few years now of, you know, big five press, um, smaller press. And I gotta be honest, like you would imagine that only the, you know, like that the, that the smaller press ones might go unnoticed or something, but it just hasn't, it hasn't been that way, at least not in the horror scene. It seems like they're all like on even footing in the horror scene, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, horror is making a tremendous comeback. Um, I mean, obviously you're aware of that and that's why you continue to write in that genre. I mean, not that you wouldn't write in another one, but I mean, horror seems to be working. I mean, you know, Paul Tremblay and John Warner Jacobs. I mean, there's just so many fantastic authors out there that are just pushing at least, you know, a book a year, if not more. And they're kind of doing what you're doing. They'll have a big five and then they'll have kind of a smaller press. I don't know if Trimboy has done quite as much small press here recently, but cause I know he's a lot of his stuff has come out through Harper, but, but yeah, I mean, I mean, I've seen, you know, a ton of just indie horror authors that are pushing books left and right, just because I yeah. feel like everybody wants to read horror right now. And I don't know if that has to do with, you know, our nation, but, <laughs> but yeah, I know. You know. <laughs> it might, it might have something to do with that. I, you know, it's funny because, when, when everything started to go like uh, when we started to, when we all woke up in the upside down, there were a lot of people saying things like get ready because the genre is going to do really well during this period. And you're like, how, what do you mean? A maybe, right. You know, mm-hmm. who knows. Right. And meanwhile, here we are. And it does seem to be doing well. It, it does seem that genre fiction does seem to thrive when, when, when shit is like disrupted. Right. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and I feel like, not that books have never been kind of a uh, way to get away or, you know, go into another world or something, but I feel like, you know, books are just always a constant. And, and with me being in a fantasy and science fiction, more of a world, even though I do enjoy, you know, horror and thrillers and so forth, but you know, it's, it's always just an escape and you can kind of push everything that's happening away for at least a little while. And, enjoy somebody else's story for a change. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. It's funny because I'm, I don't know the right phrase for this. I'm always hesitant to call it like escapism because I don't want it to feel like, and I'm not, of course I'm not saying you're silly for calling it that, but I always find myself like, like I'm afraid to call it escapism because I I don't want, I don't want books to to be, um, what's the right word? Like 
some um, some fluffy alternative to reality or something. I, right. I don't want I don't want them to be like 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 I'm wearing a mask when I'm reading a book or something. No, 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 no. You know, to me, it's like. And, and again, I know what you mean and what people mean when they yeah. when they see that. Yeah. But to me, it's it's like it, there's almost something like heightened where where the more I'm reading, like the sharper I feel, and I'm sure you feel this way too, right? Yeah. Like the sharper you feel, like in daily life, in conversation, in in your own writing, all these things. It's almost like being in shape, isn't it? Like reading. <laughs> yeah, you it's ke- it's keeping your mind in shape and healthy. It is. It's it's a really weird thing when you start to notice that because then. If you go like a month or two without reading a book, you start to feel really weird about yourself. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's kind of it's kind of like uh it's kind of like the opposite effect of uh going on you know kind of like a cleanse where you automatically start getting more energy and you can sleep better and all kinds of stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, well, cool. Well, uh, kind of want to go back to the beginning. Can you tell me a little bit about uh, growing up? Kind of how uh, you got your start into writing. Uh, a little bit about how you got into music, being a uh, singer and songwriter for the High Strong, uh, stuff like that. Sure. Um, yeah. So, you know, I was trying to like write from the start, you know, like as a, and when I was in fifth grade, I think I tried to write like a novel. And then shortly after that, I was making these like comic books with my brother where it, there wasn't really a story. It was almost um, each page was like its own new character new superhero or villain or that kind of thing mm-hmm. and but but made like tons of these tons of these comics um and that led to writing like trying to write short stories and and a really embarrassing period of trying to write poems in like high school you know <laughs> and and the, I, I have that box of, i mean it's a ton of them like a thousand of them poems that are like in this office somewhere in this house somewhere but anyway whatever so that then no 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 then after the poems came short stories and then really the the big moment for me was that I um and I didn't know this at the time was that in high school I played in this like basketball league this travel league you know mm-hmm. and it was so fun man we, we like I'm in Detroit we went and played in like Pittsburgh and and in Ohio and just all these places right mm-hmm. and. And then when we got home from that trip, we were in this tournament and it was amazing. We got home from this one trip and I was so excited about the experience that I sat down and wrote like a, something like 40, 50 page story about it. And yeah, that was high school where like a three page paper sounded like a lot, you know? Right. (laughs) I know, I know all about that, even in college. And and like that, (laughs) that, I didn't even notice it then because even in college still like a, Five-page paper was like, oh god, I got it's a double space. Thank God, you know. But meanwhile, in college, I tried to write a novel, and and then like I made it like three hundred pages and bailed on it. That novel is in a crate right here in my office, and so with a bunch of other ones. So that was like sort of the early days of like not really even recognizing that you're a writer, but but you're like you're living that life already. You're starting to, and around then my best friends, they'd all um, had already been playing music and like, they were amazing. They've been playing since we were like 10 years old, but now we're like 19 or something and I've never played anything, whatever. But they were like, you know, you're all hanging out and you're all trying grass for the first time and you're all getting drunk for the first time. And, you're all, and they were like, look, you're a writer. We're musicians. Maybe you should write our songs. And, and this is total 19 year old logic, right? Cause like, I don't know shit about songs. What do you mean guys? You know, but we hang out every day. And you're always writing, so why don't we try it? So Chad, the bass or no, this guy John bought me um, 
uh, a Farfisa organ, one of those old like 60s organs, you know? Mm-hmm. It was freaking amazing. And, and Chad, the bass player, taught me a few chords on it. So I would just sort of go like jing, 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 jing in the background while they were playing, right? And it was super fun. And then one day, Mark, um, the other singer of the high strung, Mark Owen, uh, I was playing the organ with Derek. Derek was playing drums in the basement. And Mark came down and started singing that stack of poems I told you about that I had written. He started singing them over this organ and drums. And that was this, this coming together moment for me where I was like, oh, oh, shoot. Maybe we do know how to write songs. Maybe I do. You know, yeah. here we're doing it right now. Mark's just singing those words over these few chords and it sounds freaking awesome, you know? And so that started like a complete mad love affair that's still going on. Now, yesterday I sent the boys to two new voice messages songs, right? Yesterday. I'm, I'm like, when, uh, what is that? 25 years later or something. So whatever, however long it is. So, so like it started, the musical side started because I was a writer, but then the music side really like snowballed. And, and then we moved to New York for it. And by then I had learned well enough on the guitar to write songs on the guitar instead of this organ. And then, and now I'm like, you know, we're recording, you know, and, and I told you we're recording in New York, like a hundred or something songs. We end up hitting the road. And this whole time I'm trying to write novels and Mark's trying to write novels, but just not, not able to finish one. You know, I remember, um, like I said, I made it 300 into one. I made it a hundred into another. I made it 50 into another and I just couldn't finish one. And then at some point when I was like 29 years old, after the high strong, I'd already put out a few albums and, and we had like toured the country numerous times You know all this. Mark left the band. The other songwriter left the band. He's back in the band now, but he left at that time and sort of devastated. We were all freaked out, like unbelievably freaked out. And we took a few months off the road. And in those few months off the road, it was like, it was like November, December, January of like 04, 05. And in that December, I went to this all night coffee shop here in, you know, Detroit area. And I would start working at about midnight and I started, I'd stop at about 4 a.m. And I was handwriting a horror novel, uh, a scary book. And all of a sudden, about two thirds of the way through, I was like, oh my God, I, I'm going to finish this. Like this one's, this is, I can't even believe this. I'm going to finish a novel right now. So I think that, and that novel is called Wendy and it has an extremely warm place in my heart. As you can imagine, it was one of the, one of the just most thrilling artistic experiences of my life, this thing, man. And, and like, you know, I, I'm still thinking of maybe how to put it out or maybe even make a movie of it myself. I don't know exactly what to do with that yet. But I think that Mark leaving the band did something to me where it sort of said like, Hey man, things can change real fast. Like get like, if you want to like get serious on this, like you have to, you have to learn how to finish a novel. And I did. And so since then, you know, it's been whatever it's been 14 years or something. And I've written 31 novels now and bird box by the time bird box came out, which was the first of my books to come out. Bird Box, uh, I think I had like 14 or 15 other books already written or something. So there was this crazy explosion at around age 29, just an absolute deluge of, of novels that, that I'm still in the middle of right now. Like I said, I'm almost done with Mallory a couple days away, and I cannot wait to write number 32. Cannot wait, dude. So so something something happened there where I figured it out for myself, right? You know, like everyone must, every artist must at some point figure it out for themselves. And... And I did, and that month, whatever, and then the whole time still playing with the boys 
like I said, just sent them two new songs. But then obviously Birdbox really, really took off. And so that that has changed sort of the dynamic and like, you know, in my life or something. But I'm still still doing both as regularly like as I was before. I mean, that's incredible. <laughs> that's a lot of books. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're all here. And I used to carry like slap around this this crate that actually said it has like an address to goblin on it. Cause whatever I'm a geek <laughs> and I had it um, in my office, you know, everywhere I've moved for years. And I finally just recently, like I had to get a second crate. I filled up the first crate and that might not sound like, Oh, you have a crate of writing, but go try to fill up a crate with your own writing. Believe me, <laughs> that's you're talking thousands of pages, thousands. And it's uh yeah, it's pretty sweet, man. Man, that's awesome. So uh, I guess tell me tell me a little bit about uh, the band, The High Strong. Uh, obviously, you guys have been together for quite a while. I know we talked a little bit off podcast about, uh, you know, touring and so forth. So tell me a little bit about, uh, I guess, your, your journey with the band and uh, I guess where it is now. Well, it, number one, the most wonderful thing about the band is that we've all been best friends since we were like 10 or 11 years old, something like that. So... Steven, we met a little later, but the rest of us, you know, like early on, like youth, you know, middle school, high school, like best friends. So we've kind of, kind of already gone through the whole, you know, like even in high school or, or, you know, the whole I hate you moment that you might have with a bandmate or something. Right. Mm -hmm. Because like we're like, we're, you know, how no matter how bad it might get on the road or something or might have gotten on the road, like you're still like you're with someone who knows you inside out. What are you going to do? Like, you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. act like a diva. I mean, come on. So. So, you know, you're going to understand when each other are feeling weird. You're like super best friends. So I think that that root sort of uh, bond between us all sort of um, enabled us to last as long as we have. And <clears throat> again, the book stuff, you know, is obviously huge. I met Allison. That's huge. Um, the boys, Mark has a baby on the way. Derek has a kid. Steven has a kid. Chad's got like a whole thing going on, you know. So it's like we're older now but we did just put out an album earlier this year and we're recording another one right now. And so to me, that's, that's really kind of always been all that matters. It's like, are we being not productive? That word always sounds a little too clinical to me, but are we, are we doing it? Are we making new shit? And so, I mean, I remember when I moved to New York city, I had a talk with my younger brother. I'm like, Hey, when I, I'm moving out there, if I don't send you a new group of songs in the next six months, then I'm probably, I probably should come home. You know, I didn't say to him, you know, if I run out of money and I end up on, in, on drugs, I need to come home. I said, if I'm not writing songs or stories, I should come home. In other words, I'm in the wrong place. And to me, the wrong place has always been, always been a place where you're not writing. So, so it's always had this sense of like, you know, just recently I became, um, what's the right word? I've embraced the fact that I'm a prolific, you know, and, and, and I've been aware of that forever, but for a long time, you know, a lot of a lot of prolifics are um, sort of what's the right word in the past, like Hitchcock, uh, even Stephen King, Woody Allen. Um, a lot of like the the bands from the 60s put out two albums a year, this kind of stuff. Right. Bob Hollard of Guided by Voices. Like 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 there's not I don't know if I can name that many like modern day prolifics, you know, mm -hmm. and I understand that we got a lot of writers in our in the genre that are doing a lot and stuff like that. But usually bands take a few years between um albums and usually filmmakers um are taking a few years between films but like mike flanagan would be a prolific for sure um 
did you, you know, you know him, Dr. Sleep and Honey Hill House. All, you know, he's awesome. Yeah. Um, so, so just recently I kind of like, you know, there's always, when you're a prolific, you worry that when you tell someone, hey, I've written 31 novels, that they're going to be like, well, they can't be that serious. If you've written not many, you might, they, they, you, you sounds more like you're just typing, you know, all those stupid <laughs> things, right? And so there's a part of you, though, that is like self-conscious of it, unbelievably enough. Because here you are doing something that's, you can't stop because you freaking love it. But sometimes you can get a little self-conscious when you're talking to someone. You're like, uh, yeah, I've written a few, you know, because not trying to be cool or coy. You're just worried. Like if I tell this motherfucker that I've written thir- 31 novels, this guy's going to be like, wait a minute. What, what, what are we really talking about here? But I have. And just recently I've come to really sort of embrace that and be like, you know what? This is freaking awesome, actually. And so, and so whatever, the, this is all sprouting from, you know, just talking about the, the books and songs and, and where they're at today. And there's still that, whatever, that desire to do it is still there, like even more than ever right now. Right. So do you, do you actually plan on attempting to publish all of those books or do you just kind of have them as this is what I've done and maybe a few of them will sprout out here and there? Oh no. Every single one. Oh, every single one of them. There's not one of them that I'm like, you know, ashamed of or would hide or no way. Not one of them. Except for your book of poems, right? (laughs) What do you say? I said, except for your book of poems, right? Well, yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. I was actually considering going to open that recently. I'm like, go look at that. Maybe it's better than you think. But I, um, yeah, no, no. My, my goal is every single one of them, 100%. Wow, that's awesome. I don't know how that can happen when you have, so I've published what, let me see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven, Mallory would make eight. Um, wow, so that's like another, juice. 23. So there's 23 more in the office right now. And, and you know, I'm Probably, like I said, I just want to write a new one tomorrow. So, I mean, I would have to put out, geez, I don't even know, man. You can put out like three a year for eight years without writing anything new. At the, I mean, it's insane. I don't even know. I don't know how it's going to work, man. But eventually, I, I'd love it for that for that to work. Yeah, I mean, you know, kind of like your idea of doing the big five and the small press. I mean, maybe, you know, at some point, if you decide to do like two on a small press and one in a big five or vice versa, I mean, that that could work. But yeah, I mean, it seems like at the rate you're writing them, I mean, I don't think you're ever going to run out of material, at least for, you know, a decade. <laughs> yeah. So uh, obviously Bird Box was a huge hit. Uh, were you expecting it to be a huge hit when you first released it? Um, and were you expecting it to become as big as it did with Netflix? Well, the, I mean, man, I, I don't, you know, I don't think anybody could have been prepared for what happened with the movie side of it. I just saw a, notification today that that a Hollywood reporter had tweeted that the Irishman had less views than Sandra Bullock's, you know, uh, Bird Box. It's like, holy cow, wow. It really was like a phenomenon. It was, you know, and, and I don't know if she was necessary. I don't think any of us could have been or, and, or were prepared for that. I think that we could all have thought to ourselves like, hey, this will do well or whatever. But I mean, that was like an absolute phenomenon. Um, the book, you know, it's hard to say. It was the first book that ever came out. Um, for me, <laughs> it was my first book. And I think that anytime someone puts out a first book, there's this kind of sense of like, well, now, yeah, I hope it's going to do well or whatever. Right. Um, and I thought it was doing like wonderfully at first. And the publishing house at first was like, oh, this didn't quite, you know, come out of the gates as we expected. And we were like, what, really? Because it seemed like it was doing great. Right. Mm-hmm. And but whatever. OK. And but that that kind of fucked with me when they said that. And then ever after that, I was always kind of like, did it not do well or something? But meanwhile, I'm hearing all this like amazing stuff about it. 
so I didn't, I don't know. I don't know how to explain those early days with, with that. Cause it was, it was so foreign to me. I didn't, I had nothing to compare it to in my own life. I know um, there was no right or wrong. I didn't know what would be good or bad numbers. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. now I have some sense of all that. But one of the things that was interesting about Bird Box, the book was that it had about the same sales like per week four years in as it did like when it first came out. And that was something interesting to me. It never went too much higher than that or too much lower than that. It was always around the same number every week for like four years before the, when then the movie came out. And there was just something interesting about that in a, in a way that it kind of just said, obviously this is like a word of mouth thing. It has to be because there's no, there's no like, you know, publicity that you can hire that would have that kind of exact steadiness for four years. You know what I mean? Exactly. So, so there was an understanding from our end, from me and my lawyer and agent and manager, there was an understanding that there was a word of mouth with the book. And, and obviously I had read a lot of good things about it online and all that stuff. So, you know, I didn't know what to expect and it did. I was more than happy with those four years, how it did. I mean, out of my mind happy, but then the movie just catapulted it into like another, you know, stratosphere. And so at that point, Bird Box ended up being number four in the New York Times bestseller list. And I don't think, again, it's the kind of thing you're like, oh, I have a, I have a movie. Wow, this is my dog. <laughs> uh, hey, hold on, hold on, hold on. Um, like, you know, it's in, you're like, oh, I have like a movie coming out. I hope it does well. Sandra Bullock's in it. It might do well, all these things. But you just, I don't know how to explain it. Like, you hope for that, but it's also okay if it doesn't. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, you know, you kind of—I guess you—you you kind of go into it anticipating it to do well, but not to like get to that level. I mean, I was just looking at the stats the other day. I mean, in the first seven days, it had nearly twenty-six million viewers, and that's—and then uh, that's just in the U.S. And then worldwide, it was around forty-five million. Yeah, and, which and is right insane. Now it's like or something, yeah, it's insane. Um, yeah, but I mean, Absolutely. you know, with Absolutely. sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. Just, well, well, part of that, part of the wow of all that was that Allison and I, so we just kind of assumed that the night the movie came out would be sort of the peak, you know? I don't, I don't know why we thought that, but, you know, we had a party with um, some friends and we rented out this, like, theater that used to be sort of like an old Ford showroom, that kind of thing, you know? Mm -hmm. We didn't even rent it out. Like, a friend, like, he owns it, whatever. Point is... We showed it for like 70 people. Then Alice and I drew, drove up north, which is where she's from. And she's from like 10 hours north of here. We, well, we went up to Marquette, so like eight hours north, whatever, seven. And we get up there, five in the morning, it's like storming, blah, blah, blah. We go to bed. We wake up around noon, and my phone is just like a gazillion notifications, you know? Yeah. And I was like, whoa, what's, whoa, what's going on? Oh, it must be the movie, right? We started like singing and then like it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and ballooning and all this stuff and all these celebrities are tweeting about it and all they it just started to get like unfathomably big um from our from my angle. But we were fortunately I think Allison and I were like like seven hours away from home. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. We were like able to sort of like view this all as like an outside as like outsiders, if that makes sense. I almost feel like I was insulated while this really incredible thing was happening. And on the drive home from being up north, um, we were up there for like a week or longer even. And on the drive home was when I was talking to my agent. And, and while we were on the phone, she got an email that said that Bird Box was a New York Times bestseller. So it was sort of, 
that trip up north will always have this sort of magical quality that it was bookended by the movie coming out and by Bird Box becoming a bestseller. And it was really, really, it was just freaking awesome, man. Yeah, that, that's <clears throat> that's just amazing. And I mean, I can only imagine uh, just the the feeling of, of of seeing that and being in the middle of it, you know, being able to go out to LA, meeting these people that you've seen in movies for years and, you know, just all of a sudden it's just like, Oh, Oh, hi, Sandra Bullock. <laughs> How are you doing today? Kind of thing. Yeah. Well, that was pretty wild. There, there was a moment on the, um, at the New York premiere where um, I had, like we were each supposed to go up and down like the carpet, like kind of the red carpet. Like, what are we talking about here? Right. Oh my God. We were just supposed to go up and down the red carpet, like on our own. And I was first cause I'm the author and who cares. Right. Right. So I go first and I kind of ham it up, blah, blah, blah. And then I, kind of I was standing off to the side and I was gonna like go outside for a second and my agent was like no I you know you should you should go on the carpet with Sandra Bullock I'm like wait what like what is no me like what does that mean you know and then she kind of like arranged for that to happen and all of a sudden I'm standing next to Sandra Bullock and I'm like uh hi she goes hi and then all of a sudden there are all these cameras are going off it was like what is going on right now but Allison and I had already met her because we Allison and I were on set um we were on set for like one scene out in the woods and one scene when um, her and Sarah Paulson were driving in that, uh, when they flipped that car earlier, yeah. early in the movie. And we, we saw all that stuff being filmed and I met Sandra Bullock that, like at the end of that whole 12 hour day of filming. And it was really sort of magical as well because, um, you know, where there were, it was in a sound studio, sound stage, this big open warehouse thing. And where they were filming was all lit up and the rest of the place was, you know, darker. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and at the end of like the filming, this producer was like, Hey Josh, can you come here for a second? I want you to meet someone. And I was like, Oh man, my stomach like dropped, you know, I'm like, Oh geez. Oh boy. Here we go. Oh my God. I'm about to meet Sandra Bullock. And then he, he walks me out under those bright lights and, and he's like, you know, he introduces me and everyone else was sort of a little further out in those like shadows. And all of a sudden I'm meeting Sandra Bullock like under bright lights on a stage. <laughs> and I was like, this is, this is literally unbelievable. This is like, as if I'm like, like, first of all, it was as if she lived under a spotlight, you know? Right. Um, there was something like fairy tale ask about it. And then she was hilarious and she was cool. Um, Allison met her. And then we met her again um, backstage at the premiere. Wait, I don't know if we met her then, but whatever. We hung out with her again backstage at the um, premiere in Los Angeles. And then in New York, it's like the after party and all this. So, yeah, we got to freaking, uh, we got to hang out with the cast. And not everyone. I didn't meet John Malkovich. Um, I didn't meet uh, Sarah Paulson even, even though we were there the same day she was. Um, but I met just about everyone else. And it was, yeah, <laughs> and it's as surreal as you might think. Because I think that a lot of people might imagine like, Oh, you know, uh, they made a, an absolute hit movie out of your book. I, you'd probably imagine, you know, a guy sipping martinis, you know, with the cast like a poolside or something. No, no, it's not like that. <laughs> but <laughs> you're just kind of you're just kind of in the background. You're the guy that's normally in the shadows, <laughs> like yeah, just kind of watching it happen. Shit, <laughs> what am I doing here, man? But I'm having a great time. And but I mean, I also feel like Alice and I fit right in too because we're not like wallflowers, and we were having fun, and we were talking to everyone, and. And, but it is just, you know, <laughs> dude, I don't know. I, it's funny. I haven't actually, 
really relived that night in a, in a moment now. And I'm, I'm kind of realizing exactly how magical it was right now. <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad I could help you re-realize re that. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you. It's a, it's a very exciting memory. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. And, um, and obviously the director, uh, Suzanne Beer, she, she also did the night manager, which is probably one of my favorite uh, mini series. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it's got uh, Hugh Laurie and, um, man, I can never remember his name. The guy played Loki in the Avengers movies. Like Tom Hiddleston. Tom Hiddleston. Yeah, I don't know if you've yeah. ever seen it, but it's phenomenal. I, I definitely recommend it. But uh, I haven't. But but yeah, uh, someone just brought that up to me recently, so it sounds like I should just get to it already. Oh yeah, I mean it's it's super short. It's only I think it's like five or six episodes, but it's it's great. And obviously, Hugh Laurie and Tom Hiddleston are fantastic and everything they're in. But but yeah, so uh, you know, obviously, Bird Box is huge. Um, but you've also got some credits, uh, I guess a couple of sh uh, original uh, shorts, like some sci-fi shorts. There's one that's called King Ripple, uh, which you, I guess, did the story for it. Um, and, and it uh, features Lakeith Stanfield, who he's kind of a favorite of mine. He's in Atlanta and in Get Out. He's yeah. probably like one of my favorite actors like at the moment. Yeah, um, yeah he's awesome. Yeah, um, that was um, – so I wrote two shorts for a filmmaker from Michigan. Um, named Luke Jaden, who I wrote, I wrote a couple shorts for that he made shorts that he made the films of. He made um, King Ripple and and one that he renamed the Listing. Um, and they were neither of them were well. King Ripple is a short story, but um, I, I wrote the actual scripts for both of those too. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'll have to I'll have to uh, to get around to watching those. I just uh, I was kind of looking looking through everything the other day and just happened to see those. I was like, okay, Lakeith Stanfield, you got me just with that name. And then I saw that you had uh, you had a writing credit in there. I was like, okay, I, I'll have to check this out. You know, here yeah, soon, yeah, so. man, that that was that's all like pre, well, way pre. That that's even before like um, a House of Bottom Lake came out. So that was like all right after Bird Box came out with Harper Collins. Oh wow. So yeah. see, see, I remember when Bird Box first came out. Uh, I think, I think I saw the title, read the synopsis, and then I just kind of went and found you on Facebook because that was kind of what you did, at least as a as an early reviewer. Um, people probably still do it now, but you kind of seek out the author, kind of follow them, and then I read Bird Box, and I was like, okay, I definitely want to read other you know other releases that you have. So I, I didn't get around to Met, uh, Black Mad Will just yet, but I did read Unburied Carol. Um, and I freaking loved inspection that came out this year that honestly, I think that one tops bird box for me. That, that book wow, was so right good. Thank you. Um, that, you know, they're all, I mean, I didn't like intend this to be the case, but they all feel like very different to me. And, um, and I don't even know exactly why it's not like, I'm like, no, I'm going to try a whole new voice, you know? Right. But it does seem like each of them are like coming out that way to me, the way, not that I had picked favorites, but. Unburied Carol to me is the most like fluid uh, that I've been yet. And, and, and also it's probably the least, like, I guess, scary. So maybe that has something to do with that. Like with that, like not not, not leaning on what's the right phrase, not leaning on like the tension and actually just like telling the story itself or something. Right. I think there's something like liberating about that. And in, in a Unburied Carol feels very like playful to me. Whereas inspection and bird box, black man will are very, yeah, there's almost like you can almost play a single note through the entire novel, you know? Yeah, and I mean, it's just constant tension. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and Bird Box and Black Man Wheel, especially, there's just like, oh my god, it's like one, you know, you you just flatten your hand on the keyboard for the entire book. But on Mary Carol has has maybe a bit more of a of a saloon piano going. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, 
just thinking about it now, it, you know, it kind of it's got like that Westworld kind of feel. I mean, it's obviously not AI or anything, but just just like kind of the setting and the environment, and uh, you know, just kind of being that Western saloon, uh, you know, shootout kind of I guess yeah. setting. Um, but yeah, I mean, like like you said, all of your books are completely different from one another. Um, I, I haven't seen a single thing in any of them that I'd be like, well, that kind of reminds me of X, Y, Z. Uh, I mean, they're all, they all kind of stand on, on their own, which, I mean, do you, do you intend that? Is, do you, you know, when you write all of these, you know, 32 novels, uh, do you intend to make them all completely different? Do you ever think, well, maybe I'll write something that's very similar to that and it could potentially be a sequel or in the same you know, we use like same universe for, you know, fantasy and science fiction. Um, oh, I see what you mean, right? Well, yeah. I mean, uh, no, it, it, it's more like, what's the right way of putting this? It, 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 it just seems um, what really what has happened is after 31 novels, I'm able to like, and they're not, like I'm able to pick out like, hmm, how do I explain this? I'm able to pick out, there's a, this one is similar to this one is similar to that one. This one over here is similar to that one to this one. And, but they're not necessarily in a row. It's not like, there were three in a row that were like I'm Barry Carroll and then three in a row that were like inspection. It's not like that. It's like, it's like I'm discovering, you know, after this many novels that there's maybe four or five or six different, maybe voices or something like that, that, that it almost starts to feel like, um, what's the right word? Like, like that, that I have gone through these periods when I, like I didn't though. And, 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 but I do like return to like I'm Barry Carroll the voice in that one reminds me of the voice in this one called the spotter and, 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 uh, well, obviously bird box and Mallory are like spot on, but like goblin seems more akin to this one called pest, you know, stuff like that. Like, but then those other ones haven't come out yet. So, so right now it seems like what's on the shelf is like four or five, like more distinct voices from each other. But then, like I said, there's like 23 novels in here that, line up with those four or five, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, cool. Well, obviously, you know, your name is, 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 is noticeable in, <laughs> in anywhere you go. Uh, I mean, you know, anytime bird box is mentioned, I mean, obviously everybody knows, Oh yeah, Josh Melman wrote that. Um, but you know, we were talking earlier about how your books, no matter if it's big press or small press, they tend to sell well. Um, so, I mean, obviously you, I can continue to see that happening for you, especially with Mallory coming out now, because now you've got an even bigger audience than you had when Bird Box originally came out. Um, so I can imagine that people are going to be, you know, scraping to get it and pre-ordering and so forth once, uh, once July hits. Well, that's a weird, what a, it's a strange feeling, right? Because, the last time I put out a story in this world, like I literally was like, well, I hope somebody notices. <laughs> and then this time it's like, oh my God. Well, I, I hope that, they, I hope it, I hope that I did. First of all, I love the book and I'm not like quote unquote worried about it. You know what I mean? I don't, I just don't worry about things that way. It's like, you know, it's like, I got, I hope everyone loves it. But like, if they don't like, I, I love it. I'm all, I'm all right with it either way. And I feel that way about like I'm Mary Carol and Goblin and Bird Box, all of them, you know, it's right. like, you know what I mean? But like people, sometimes, sometimes people maybe say that, but I, you know, I don't know. I, but I really, I, with Mallory, I'm just kind of like, I'm just actually really excited to like send someone into that world again, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And then, and I, I mean, I, I know 
myself along with a lot of other people are definitely excited to be stepping back into that world. So, um, what's that? Thank you. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. So, uh, besides writing, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, you write music and you still play. Do you do anything else um, outside of that? Do you, do you have another part-time job or do you just write pretty much full time? No, definitely. I do not have a, another job outside of writing. Um, I, what's it called? I kind of left that entire world behind. Not that I wouldn't, you know, work if I like had to in that way, Mm -hmm. but I left that world behind. Like when I was like, when the high strung hit the road back when we were like 25 or something and we lived like an, in complete lunatic, like poverty for like six or seven years where we were, like I told you, we played, you know, the dive, the the equivalent of the Nick in Birmingham, right? In in every city in America. Right. And, and it was amazing. It was an absolutely unfathomably fun experience to be on the road with your best friends, no money, barely getting by, you're getting paid in booze and pizza. It was a freaking blast playing your songs, trying to write novels, all this. So already for those like first six years, we didn't have apartments. We had like a, we were living off what we made in the band. And then the band got um, a theme song in for a TV show, Shameless. You know that show? With, yeah. Um, yeah. So the band suddenly we got, we made a little bit of money off that. And all of a sudden it was like, oh shit, you know, we could like have an apartment if we want to, like, you know, like, or, or just not live off $10 a day, let's say that. And so that was sort of like the start of, you know, how do I explain it? Like, I guess the start of making some money at this is what that was. And, and so we had, I had six, seven, my man, it was more like nine years of, of just living like the seat of my pants, like returning beer bottles from like a party to pay for next day's meal, you know, that like really for years. And then the theme song. And then when burner box got picked up, all of a sudden I was like, Oh shit, I, I can, I can get like an apartment and that kind of thing. And just recently I actually bought my first house, I'm 44 years old and just bought my first house in my whole life. You know, it's pretty exciting, you know? Yeah. And so, so I've never, in terms of a day job, it's a weird thing to say because it's not like, oh, because of the success of the movie, I no longer have a day job. No, I haven't, I haven't had a day job since I was like 23 because I just, the high, the high strung just pretty much dropped out of, dropped out of the real world. And we're like, we're, we're, we're going after this. Right. I mean, it makes sense. Um, you know, and, and I guess wow, you hear all those noises. Sorry. <laughs> You're fine. And I guess, I mean, you know, to this point now with kind of the success of that and then being able to release, you know, books on the regular, I mean, wouldn't really make sense, I guess, to have a day job unless at just some point you're just like, I need something to do in the day, but it seems like you've got enough going on. Well, I think that the difference or what the big thing would be is if I have kids, right? Cause if Allison and I had kids or whatever, and then we might have to, whatever, we might just have to worry about things being like even more stable than they are, you know, mm-hmm. then I could see like having, like, even if the books were doing really well, you don't know exactly how long they're going to last or, or <laughs> what roller coaster ride those finances might take. So I, if we had kids then I for sure would have some sort of, you know what I mean? Or I, or I would think of that kind of thing in a different light is all I'm trying to say. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Do you have uh, kids? uh, not yet. You got not yet. You're married, uh, right? Yes, I've been married. Uh, so we've been married six, let's see, five years uh, next year, uh, next June. And uh, actually, we're actually expecting our first. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, so, uh, yeah. It, uh, <laughs> so we don't know the gender yet, but the baby is due on my birthday. So June 22nd of next year. So happy 30th to me. 
Wow, that is really, really exciting. Wow, amazing. Okay. And, and that means that I hope the baby's like one day late to be like a cusp baby. I, I like cusp people. You're, you're, you're right there too. I'm July 24th. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 So, uh, so, so now yeah, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I work a full time job. I've, I'm also, also do part time real estate. And then, of course, you know, I do all these odd and end things, but running a book review blog and now doing a podcast. I mean, I've just got, all kinds of stuff to do. <laughs> yeah, so awesome. that is that is awesome. Yeah. Um. So so tell me, anybody you're reading right now? Any authors you could recommend? Uh, anybody listening? Sure. I'm reading uh, Stephen Graham Jones, The Only Good Indians. I'm reading um, Nathan Balingon, uh Wounds. Um, and then I'm also I started reading um, John Updike's The Witches of Eastwick. Okay. You, you ever seen that movie? No, I haven't. Uh, it's, it's pretty good with Cher and Susan Sarandon and Jack Nicholson and Michelle Pfeiffer. And you know what it's about? It's about like three witches that live in this town and then the devil like moves into town. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty, but the book itself is like real sort of, what's the right word? Like, I don't know how to explain it. Like real haughty, like real sort of, sort of like, I, I hate to say it, but it's, like, it's sort of pretentious, you know? Mm-hmm. And, but it's also really well written. So it's like one second you're like rolling your eyes and the next second you're like, Oh, that's nice. And then you're rolling your eyes. And the next thing you're like, Oh geez, that's nice. So it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a sludge fest, but this, this book has a very um, big meaning to me because for the years before the high strong got that, um, uh, or, or, the, or actually the years before I got like a, my first book deal, I used a hardcover copy of the witches of Eastwick as my bank for years. If I ever had any money, I just slid it into this hardcover book on my bookshelf. And if I needed it, I took it out of that book. And that was for years, years. So, so one day recently I was like, wait a minute, why don't I actually read the wishes of Eastwick? <laughs> <laughs> and you got the time, right? <laughs> That's what I'm doing right now. <laughs> I got you. Yeah. Dude, I, I could sit here and talk to you all day about the only good Indians by Stephen Graham Jones. I read that a couple of weeks ago. Dude, it's so good. Okay, sweet. Um, it, uh, it, it actually is going to be, oh, I have it at right now. So I just, I just made a, a list of like my top reads of the year and it currently sits at number two. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, the only thing that, that topped it was, uh, Blake Crouch's recursion, which I don't know if you read sci-fi at all, but that is like one of the best books I've ever read. Um, yeah, you know, I haven't read that dude at all. Like dark matter, right? That yeah. All? Dark matter, uh, wayward pines. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I guess I got to get into them. Okay. <laughs> uh, I also recommend if you haven't read it, uh, "Growing Things" and other stories about Paul Tremblay. Yeah, uh, I read. I read um, one of the stories so far. Okay, uh, "A Lush and Seething Hill" by John Owner Jacobs. Is that one pretty sweet? Oh my gosh, it, it's like terrifying. All right, awesome. Yeah, and it, and I think uh, no, knowing you with like musical background and so forth, I think that one would really appeal to you because he. Uh, like one of the stories like is legitimately like around this one song. Uh, and then he's got another book coming out in June. It's called like murder ballads and other stories. Um, so if you haven't read any of his, his stuff, I think it would really appeal to you just because of music and so forth. And he, he really likes to incorporate that in his books. So, All right. so for Wait. sure. Uh, also I got Tim Levin. I got Eden. Um, and then I've also got I've also been reading like some Arthur Mackin stories, like old old timey stories that are freaking amazing, man. Okay, I'll yeah, have, I'll have to look into that. Yeah, I've I've got Tim Levin's Eden as well. Um, and I, I was gonna it was gonna be one of, one of my next books, but uh, like 
I guess his publicist sent out an email. I was like, Hey, by the way, try to post closer to publishing day. And I was like, Oh, okay. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll shove it down the, the, the TBR for a little while and get back to it. Right. But uh, I, I read the first couple of chapters and it's pretty good so far. So, um, well, cool. Well, uh, well, Josh, I, I really appreciate you coming on. I uh, appreciate you taking the time out of your day to, to come and chat with me. Um, and I love your books. I love your writing. I mean, it's, it's, it's been phenomenal these past few years, uh, especially being able to read, you know, at least one to two a year that you've been releasing. Um, and, uh, and guys, obviously you guys know about bird box and about the movie on Netflix, but uh, I'd also recommend checking out black mad wheel unburied Carol, uh, on this, the day of the pig, uh, inspection, which just came out in 2019. He's also got a collection of novellas called Goblin, uh, two standalone novellas. One's called Gasol and Yule, and the other is A House at the Bottom of the Lake. And he's also got 27 published short stories. And then, obviously, he's got another 20 or so, plus whatever he writes this year coming. So, guys, I don't think Josh is slowing down anytime soon, so be looking for his books to be releasing, um, especially in 2020. Uh, Mallory, which is the follow-up to Bird Box, will be coming out July 21st. Uh, which focuses on Mallory, who is the main protagonist from book one. And man, we are highly anticipating that one. So Josh, uh, just thanks again. Anything else you want to add? Uh, man, thank you for all of that. And thank you for taking out the time of your day to do this with me. This is, it's really exciting. Um, you know, like I said, uh, there was a few, few answers that I hadn't thought of in a minute. And it was, it, I think it was really good for me just as a human being to, to stroll down a couple of those, those memory lanes again. So thank you for, thank you for doing this. Absolutely, man. Well, well, thanks again. And uh, hope maybe we can talk again once uh, Mallory hits or even after that book. Yeah, I would love to. I would love to do that. Awesome. Appreciate it. Have a good one. Okay. You too. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to episode six. I hope you guys enjoyed my chat with Josh Mallerman. Uh, look for some upcoming episodes over the next few weeks. I'll be talking to Gareth Ryder Hanrahan, author of the gutter prayer on December 27th. Be talking to Evan Winner, who wrote The Rage of Dragons, which is a phenomenal debut from Orbit. And I'll also be talking to CJ Tudor, author of The Chalkman, The Hiding Place, and the brand new The Other People on January 10th. Uh, really looking forward to all these authors and many, many more to come in 2020. So again, thank you guys for tuning in and hope to see you next time. <music>